Oh, we're going to do something a little different this morning. You guys okay with that? Yeah. Well, I hope you are. If you're not, you're going to have to get over it because I'm the leader. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I am a little smart, Alec, aren't I? It's okay. The Bible says you have to forgive me. Oh, Jesus. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Um, I want to talk just for a couple of minutes here, and then we're going to go into some prayer. Um, And we're going to need to pray for for people. Um, This week was kind of a unique, interesting week. A lot of things happening that were very, like, surreal. Uh, Specifically, it all culminated on Thursday. But um, nothing takes God by surprise, and that's always the good news. And if our eyes are focused on him, if we're letting our heart beat, beat with him, then we start to recognize what's going on, and it keeps us from getting in fear, keeps us from getting in anxiety. And does this sound good to you guys? Because he doesn't change. He's always the same, and nothing takes him by surprise. So if we can just simply come to a place where we're stilling the soul, hearing what he's saying, then everything changes. So I'm saying that to say this, that we're going to pray in a few moments, But please understand this, that so much about prayer at its core is simply coming into agreement with God. That's really what it is. Prayer is not so much about petition. It's, It's about declaration, it's about petition, it's about those things, but it's more than that at its core. It's about coming into agreement with God. That's why Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, it'll be done for you. But what is he talking about? He's talking about being in agreement with God. You say it in his name and something happens. So I want to point something out here. Um, Look at a couple of passages of scripture here, and I'm going to tell everybody what's going on. Philippians chapter 4. Let's turn there. I'm surprising you, Leah. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Okay, that'll preach right there. You can stop right there and that'll be enough. That's a direct command, right? Be anxious for nothing. So what should I have anxiety about? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I wish I could say I live by that all the time, but I don't. But if I come back to this and keep finding out why, it's going to help me. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication... That's an interesting word, supplication. Supplication is an interesting word. What it really truly means at its core is a transfer of burden from one to the other. You're transferring of a burden from one to the other. So in the middle of prayer, a lot of what we're doing is not petitioning God, but we're coming to a place where we recognize that he is well suited to take everything that burdens us down and to put it on him. He's well suited for that. So in supplication, what are we doing? We're saying, I'm going to transfer this burden. Not just by saying I'm going to transfer the burden, but you stay in the moment until you recognize that it's gone. Words are so important. They're so incredibly important, but we we never can lose sight of the fact that words aren't going to mean anything unless there's a transformation inside the soul that goes along with it. Because I I can declare words and not own it on the inside. Hello. I can declare words not knowing what it means, and it doesn't really have any power to it. 
You know, I'm always, I always think it's funny to look at, you know, in, in Acts when the seven sons of Sceva went to cast out a demon, right? And they said, well, I'm going to cast out this demon in the name of Jesus that Paul knows. Why did they say that? Because they didn't know anything on the inside. You know what happened. They get run out of the house naked and beat up. There's something about knowing it. Knowing it. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free, right? It's an epigenosco. It's, a, it's a, not a knowing as an intellect. It's a knowing like right here. Like in other words, argue as much as you want, but you can't take this away from me. Your, your, your theology, your, your arguments, your, your whatever is never going to take this away from me because it's so deep down inside. It's like, what, what are you going to do? If you've ever experienced transformation from the king that he's brought to you, you can say, what are you going to do? You're going to argue that away from me? You can't. I don't care how good your argument is. You're never going to take that away. That's not knowing here. That's knowing here. So when we say things like this, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and by supplication releasing the burden, stay as long as you have to in prayer till the thing's gone. And you know what? Sometimes the easiest way to do it is to shut up. Shut up and listen. He'll speak in ways that you can't comprehend, that you can't understand. And so all of a sudden these things start to transfer and they move from you to him. And then when they get there, all of a sudden this peace comes. And look what it says. Let, with, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, isn't that wonderful? Thanksgiving, that means you have to see beyond what you're anxious over in the moment and start thanking God for what he's done before and that you've seen him do. And I believe this, and I'll, I'll believe this till the day I die. Thanksgiving multiplies things. It multiplies. When you give God thanks, you're multiplying whatever he's done. I think that's why we have the feeding of the 4,000, right? The feeding of the 5,000, the reason why that happened was because of thanksgiving. He gave thanks, blessed it, broke it, boom, fed everybody. In thanksgiving, there's multiplication. Thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Wonderful passage of scripture, isn't it? But it demands something from us. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. In other words, you've got to come to a place where it's beyond your understanding. And you've got to accept that this is beyond my understanding. Because peace of God that passes all understanding can only come if it passes your understanding. Good place. That's a good place. My intellect can be my nemesis. It will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There's prayer right there. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 3. Whenever we have situations that arise in our life that seem like kind of out of control and make you stop and go, what is going on? What is going on? There's a centering that needs to happen. Where, And the only way I believe we can get there is by stilling the soul. Stop letting the mind run in circles. Stilling the soul enough to say, okay, Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying? And don't try to make prophetic pictures out of everything that's happening. Just stop and listen. Stop and listen. Thursday this week was a weird week. Um, the kids were getting ready to head out on Friday. My son left Thursday morning to go up to the youth camp. That's why it's really empty in here. We've got about 30 of our people out. Um, all of our youth and a lot of our adults are out. And Thursday, my son left, and along with Andy and Danielle, took off to Covington, Georgia. And they're getting together for winter retreat. And there's numbers of churches that come together for this retreat. So there's three or 400 youth that come together for this. 
And we got word of a church that was headed there that one of their youth that morning had committed suicide. Now, yeah, immediately you start thinking, oh my gosh, what's, what's this? You know, the family, all of this stuff starts flooding in. You start thinking all these horrible thoughts. And I don't know who it was. I don't know who the individual was. I don't know the family. But I immediately started thinking how devastating, how awful this is. And it wasn't too much longer after that, I heard about Sergio's brother passed away. Same day, that evening, but that was that morning that I found out about it. And I have to ask questions when those things start to happen. I have to start going, God, what's going on here? Because I hate Satan. I hate him. I hate him so much. He's a liar, he's a thief, and he's a murderer. And so I start asking, Lord, what is going on? What is going on here? And I'm running around like crazy on Thursday. Jillian, um, there's some good news in this. Jillian, um, who most of you know here, started getting not feeling well. Her blood pressure was like really extremely high, like dangerously, dangerously high. Went to the hospital, and they gave her some medication to get the blood pressure down and then released her. She got home, and her water broke. So for those of you guys who don't know, she was 32 weeks pregnant, is that correct? 32, so she's eight weeks, and her water breaks. So she goes back to the hospital, blood pressure's up again, they're trying to, you know, save, you know, keep the baby inside the womb, because it's eight, it's eight weeks too premature. So I met them there, we prayed, there was just really a wonderful atmosphere there, it was very sweet, very wonderful, you could feel the presence of God. But in the midst of all of it too, I could feel, Satan, you're overplaying your hand here. And I was not going to get into this fighting kind of thing with Satan. You know what I'm talking about? I don't ever want to do that. Whenever I get into that militant kind of aggressive thing in fighting Satan, I'm shadow boxing. Because it usually happens, what happens is I find myself doing it out of my own willpower. And I can even proclaim scripture and do it out of my own willpower and it not to have the power that it's supposed to have. Now, I believe in the power of Scripture and the Word of God. Don't misunderstand me, but there's something about doing something out of our willpower that negates the grace of God. And when I try to operate out of my will, I'm saying, let me take it from here. And it is, is a, it's a regression in the kingdom. The minute I step into my will, I'm regressing in the kingdom. Is this making sense? So I have to be very, very careful what I'm doing. So I pray for Jillian. Um, Diane's there. There was really, it was just a sweetness thing. It was nothing you know, stressful or anything, but when was it? A few hours later, it wasn't but a few hours later that Jillian delivers little Rhythm Blaze shilling. A whopping four pounds, 11 ounces. But healthy, right? And doing fantastic for, for especially for a boy to be born that early. You know, the lungs don't develop and all that because us men were slow. Yes, in more ways than one. But all, but Jillian's doing fine now. Baby's doing fine. Um, but I started looking at that going, God, what is, what is up? And I leave the hospital. And as I'm leaving the hospital, trying to find my way back up to my house, I'm sitting at a red light. And for the third time since I've lived here in four years, I get rear-ended. Again. I'm going to have to start looking at all my cars to make sure there's not targets on the back of them. I don't know what the deal is, but I got hit again. Now, it was nothing major, but it was like... What is this? At that same time, I call Jocelyn, and she's right next to... She's sitting at a traffic light, and somebody slams into a car next to her. Now, I'm not trying to make something out of all this stuff other than just realize, what is going on here? What is, what is happening here? 
And I really felt like the Lord was, was saying, Andrew, you need to pay attention because there is a sharp attack from the enemy. And I heard those words specifically, a sharp attack from the enemy towards people in the church. And of course, you know, that pastoral thing in me starts rising up and I'm going, oh, oh. So what I want us to do this morning is just recognize this. I'm going to read this passage of scripture and then we're going to go into some prayer. And we're going to lift up everybody in here who's got something going on in your life, okay? We're going to do it in groups and we're going to go after it and it is going to be effective, okay? In Ephesians chapter 3, um, I'm going to start in verse 14, but before I read that, uh, Paul's talking about how this wonderful mystery of God has been revealed and how it's been revealed partially through him because the, the promises of God came to the Jews, not to the Gentiles. But then as the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 and for a couple of years after that, as it was moving around, it still is moving, um, the Gentiles started getting saved. And it was beyond belief for these Jewish people. These Christian Jewish people, it was beyond belief that these Gentiles were getting saved. And Paul's talking about that right here and he's saying that this is a mystery but it's being revealed. What was not revealed for ages has been revealed in this age right here. And the Gentiles get to be a part of this. Verse 14 says, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to come back to that. Go to verse 8. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, the grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Now, isn't that good news? That our warfare is not done by screaming at the devil and shadow boxing. The, the way we make known the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and powers that comes through the church. Isn't this beautiful? I don't have to fight to do this. It's just a matter of us coming into this thing called the family, staying settled in this one simple thing, that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ has brought me into a place where I'm completely justified, I'm sanctified, I'm still being worked on, I'm being conformed into his glorious image. But inside of that, that's where the manifold wisdom of God gets made known to the principalities and powers. It's not me standing and fighting and screaming. In other words, I need to recognize my need for the body. I need to recognize my need for the body. So when these things start happening, I can pray. I can pray even as a, as a leader. I can pray, but there's something more profound that happens when we as the body come together. And we recognize this is how this works that this glorious, wonderful mystery of God that would choose to bring us in and place us in a family, that we come into an agreement with that. Remember, prayer is simply coming into agreement with God. And when we come into agreement with that, then all of a sudden, the principalities and the powers start to go, uh-oh, uh-oh. Because our unity in Christ is not found in our agreement. It's not found in our agreement. If that would, that's ludicrous to think that that unity is found in agreement. Because if unity is found in agreement, then my wife and I aren't unified a lot of the times. <laughs> unity is not found in agreement. It's found in the Spirit. Ephesians 4, that we endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. We don't create it. 
It says we, we endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit. And a little later on, it goes on to say, until we all come to the unity of the faith. In other words, the spirit is what unifies us. What I'm really getting at is this thing of here. We're going to pray, but we're not going to pray with a lot of words. We're going to pray by coming into agreement. We need to say words. We will say words, but you hear what I'm saying. Is anybody catching this this morning? I hope I haven't lost you here. I want us to recognize that we are stronger together than we are apart. When all of this started happening on Thursday, something started welling up. We started recognizing that we were identifying people within the body who are really good intercessors. And so we were shooting the text bombs out to them and letting them know what was going on. And it was beautiful. And I could feel the strength in it. I felt that as a pastor, I felt this like, oh, I am not alone in doing this. I'm not alone. There are other people who stand in this position of intercession who can move, which we have an intercessor. I understand that, but understand that. But there are people who stand in that position who can just begin to, and I could feel the weight begin to be spread out. How much more powerful is that when the load is carried by all of us and it's not carried by just a few individuals? Turn over to Acts chapter 4. I'm going to leave you with this and then we're going to pray. So. Simple passage of scripture. Um, The disciples are being persecuted at this point. Peter and John specifically, they're being persecuted because they healed somebody. I know, God forbid, right? And they're being persecuted by the Sanhedrin, the religious rulers, because they, they're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? This is totally against whatever we know to be true. Now, I, I'm, the reason why I'm bringing up this story is not for the persecution side of it necessarily, because what we have here is a picture of persecution happening in the natural this is a historical account of something happening in the natural. But they, re, they reply to the Sanhedrin when they're being accused and threatened. And they say this in verse 5. And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers, elders, scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if, this, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. Wonderful story, isn't it? Isn't that beautiful? Oh my gosh. Oh, you got to love that. Peter. So awesome. I love it when Peter's filled with the Spirit because it's like, it's epic when Peter's filled with the Spirit. When he's not, it's hilarious. I totally relate to the dude. More of the hilarious stuff, not so much the epic stuff. But This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Oh, God, would people just say that about me? That man's uneducated, but he's been with Jesus. I mean, I've got education, but it doesn't really help me. That's not really what helps me. Being with Jesus is what helps me. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go, out, go aside out of the council, they con 
conferred among themselves. I'm giving you this story because this is so wonderful. Saying, what shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a noble miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. Remember what I told you earlier that I heard the Lord say to me, sharp attack? When I was drawn to this scripture, I looked that up. That's exactly what that means. Severely threatened means sharp attack. Wow. That's, that's what it means. Now you see what's happening when I'm connecting this to Ephesians 3 right here. Because watch what happens when they come together, when the body comes together. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom the miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their own companions. Everybody catch that. They went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the, by the mouth of your servant David has said, why do the nations rage? And the people plot vain things. And the kings of the earth took their stand. And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Do you see when the threat comes, when the sharp attack comes, you know what they didn't do? They didn't start screaming at the devil. What did they do? They came back and they remembered. God, remember this is what you did. You did this through your person, Jesus, that you've done all these things. Now, I'm just going to ask that you would fill us with boldness, fill us with your spirit, so that these things continue to happen. And it says the whole house was shaken where they were. Why am I saying this? It's not a point of correction because I don't feel like any correction needs to be brought here at all. But I will say this. If you've been brought up in the church like I have for a number of years, a lot of times we get into prayer gatherings where there's a lot of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, anxiousness. And there's a lot of shouting, screaming, whatever. And is there a place for that? Yeah, there is. There's a place for that kind of stuff. But listen, we've got to learn how to still the soul, come to our own, recognize what God is saying, just say, Lord, fill us with boldness again. Because I believe that the way out for what we're facing right now, the way out of it is not to try to say things like, Satan, I bind you. I don't think that's where it's at. I think it's to come back to a place of saying, no, man, I belong to Jesus. I belong to him. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Is your grace sufficient? You say it is. All right. Grace. 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 And as we're asking the Lord for those things, then he gives us divine wisdom to be able to speak, to say whatever we need to do in the given situation to say, I will see the manifold wisdom of God be made known by the church to principalities and powers. Does that sound good to you guys? 
All right, so I'm going to ask you to do something here. I want everybody just to stand up for a minute. We're going to take a few minutes doing this. Because this, the picture I have is what's happening there in Acts chapter 4. We're coming together. We're coming to our own companions. You've heard me talk in recent weeks about the importance of the connection within the body of Christ and how we are as a body, how important that is. Yes, I have the body of Christ that I'm connected to in town, out other places. But if I'm under sharp attack, I'm not going to run to people that I just kind of know. I'm going to run to the people who know me. This is what we have in Acts chapter 4. There's an incredible importance in this. If there's something going on in your, in your life right now, some things that are happening that you're going, hey, this is potentially not really good. I want us, I want us to take some time and we're going to go after them. So here's what we're going to do. Um, Patty, you went through this recently. Is it all right if I speak about this? Yes, sure. Um, was emailing me about people connected to her, even animals, right? That were dying right and left. This was just a month or so ago? Yeah, December, November and December. November and December. The first few days of January, just six people that I knew personally between November and December had died. Yeah, six people yeah, six between people. November and December. Not including the animals that came after that. Yeah. So, um, well, again, yeah, and we don't, we don't get in fear <coughs> about this. We just simply come back to a place and say, hmm, okay, Jesus, you're the author of life. You're the author of life. And the reality is, Satan, you'll lose anyway. 